On our end, we want to become the all-in-one platform for developers to create extensions. Going through those stages is like bootstrap, testing, publishing. So sort of like similar to Expo or Vercel, but for browser extensions. And then eventually thinking like long-term, we have so many ideas of where to go. The, the key theme though is we really want to like innovate in other areas and contexts where extensions have been underutilized. So that includes stuff like enterprise and so on, and really think more about how to solve other unique challenges with extensions and enable that. Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Stefan Alexic and Louis Vilgo, who are the co-founders of Plasmo. How are you guys doing today? Very well. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing well and excited to have you on the show. Um, so maybe you could begin by telling us a bit about what you're building. Yeah, so um, basically we're building Plasmo, which is the, um, the developer kind of uh, tools for browser extensions. Got it. So developer tools for browser extensions. Um, I've built some a couple Chrome extensions back many years ago, so I haven't done much recently. So like, maybe take us through for folks who aren't familiar, what does it look like before Plasmo to build, let's say a Chrome extension? Like, how, what does that process look like? And then how does Plasmo help make that easier or better or faster or whatnot? That's kind of a... Uh... So like we were, that's kind of like the basis for why we got started with Plasmo because uh, Lewis and I were um, building a Chrome extension and yeah, it's, it's pretty tricky. So uh, right now, like um, if you want to build a very simple extension, uh, for example, let's say um, you want to have like a um, pop-up open up when you click on the Chrome extensions icon and then maybe like you want to have an increment, right? Like something super straightforward. You can probably do it like in less than five minutes with uh, any standard like front end framework. Um, with a Chrome extension, it's actually very tricky. So um, right now, like what you have to do is, um, first of all, you have to know what a manifest file is. And this is kind of the basis for uh, all Chrome extensions. It's what Chrome reads whenever it loads your Chrome extension. Um, and this file basically tells Chrome um, hey, um, the pop-up uh, HTML file is in this file path. Uh, the background service worker is in this file path. It's a JavaScript file, and then so on and so forth. It defines the metadata. So first of all, you need to understand like that uh, sort of voodoo magic of like what is this manifest JSON file and figure it out. Um, and then uh, the next kind of interesting thing is like how do you actually um, get uh, React to um, first of all how do you bundle all of this stuff together so that it all like works with this entry file defining your manifest. And then secondly, um, how can you uh, actually mount a React app onto the pop-up? Um, so once you kind of uh, solved all of those issues, um, now you have like a Webpack config that you've uh, kind of mastered and it's been several hours. And then finally, uh, you're at a point where you can maybe like uh, set up like a, an increment thing with a React app. Um, so that's kind of the idea at the moment with like before Plasmo, what, what you would need to do um, to kind of like set this stuff up. Got it. So Plasmo kind of streamlining that process to go from an idea to building your Chrome extension without or... Yeah, so like for, so basically before Plasmo, you need to create a manifest 
you need to compile your React app, you need to also handle the index the HTML page and so on and so forth. After Plasma, all you do is just exporting a React component. You're done. That's it. All you do is just exporting a React component. Very simple. It's like Next.js page. A Next.js page is like you make a page directory, add an index, index or TXX, right? Export, exporting a React component. Done. You got a page. Exact same way with Plasma. You make a popup.txx file. You export a React component. Done. That's it. The rest is handled by Plasma. Everything. Yeah, that's a that's a stash contrast. And are there... If I were go, if I was going to build a Chrome extension today, I didn't know about Plasma. I would probably Google, and and I knew it needed like React kind of because I wanted to build a live UI. I would look for like on GitHub for some sort of boilerplate of like a a stack that someone's already built that has um, you know, React Chrome extension everything, and just kind of you clone some GitHub repo that has a lot of stars and and use that. Like that would be probably my process. So like, does that even exist? And then how does Plasma improve upon some kind of pre-built set of tools that someone's glued together and provided documentation for? We actually saw a lot of, actually Plasma right now is, I think, one of the highest star out there in terms of uh, Chrome extension Chrome extension framework. Actually, we have 4K star compared to, I think, one of the few contenders out there which a, a, a thousand star and so on. So I think we will be at a pretty high ranking in terms of the, in terms of the search results on this tooling on GitHub. But to, let's say a month ago, right? When Plasma was like, yeah, oh, just a month ago, we were only at 25 stars. <laughs> so we grow pretty fast. Um, so just a month ago, you would find a lot of these uh, extension kind of uh, dev pack that it, it looked like Create React app. It looked like a Create React app boilerplate, right? That has custom router, very basic bare bone kind of setup, right? So that new developer has a lot of there's a lot of flexibility, but the developer will still have to go and read the official documentation from the Chrome API team, which is horrendous because it is just very very uh, it's very technical, and they are still migrating from MV2 to MV3. So there's a confusion of hey, which one should I use? Is this MV2 is MV3 ready? Yes. Oh, by the way, uh, MV3 means manifest version three. So there is actually a diversion between the API from the Chrome extension team moving from manifest v2 to v3 and there is still a lot of confusion within the documentation that developer has to sort out um, and even furthermore there is the so it, it's either using webpack or some of them actually use row up or create react app so that is a bundler to bundling your your, your extension code right and so, so now you have to learn the syntax for that bundler. The syntax, how, how do I use this bundler, right? Because sometimes you might want dev tooling. You might want to add dev tool. You might want to add an option page, so on and so forth. So now you have to learn the, you have to learn that, uh, the, the bundler. And lastly, um, the, the manifest is still a problem because now you, have, you actually have to managing three different manifests for each browser. With Plasma though, you only have because Plasma actually compile that manifest for you, so we, we can you can actually targeting all three, you know, like, or or any browser combination like Chrome MV3, Firefox MV2, Opera MV3, Safari MV2 or MV3, and because we actually take in the parameter and we compile the manifest, um, you don't have to manage all you, know, you don't have to basically rewrite your manifest anymore, kind of in Plasma, it's all the same code base producing all the bundle for you for each browser and 
off you go. Um, so that is the key kind of differences. Yeah. Enjoying the podcast? Consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes. One of the things that uh, we think about a lot is like, um, you know, with all of these sort of boilerplates, uh, you have, as Lewis said, all these different configs, and it's all in this like imperative sort of way. Like, um, like if you want to add it, uh, let's say like the the boilerplate had a simple like, um, this is how like you would have a pop up with a React app, and then maybe like uh, a background service worker, and then when you wanted to add an options page, now you had to mess with like the Webpack config. Then you had to like add it. Uh, then you had to know like what to add in your manifest config and so on and so forth, it's all these configs. And the idea behind Plasmo is we want to kind of think about it in the file system level, where when you add a file on the file system, all the configs are properly generated for you. So you don't have to think about things in terms of configs, but rather in terms of files. So we that's kind of the abstraction. And taking a look at Plasmo's website, there's kind of like the three main tenets of the platform are develop, test, publish. We've touched on some of the ways where Plasma helps with development. Help me understand a bit more like what you do on the testing side of things and um, what are some of the problems that you solve? So one of the, one of the things that um, kind of we, we've heard a lot from uh, Chrome extension developers is it's really hard to iterate. Um, and you have to really be conservative. The reason why is because um, Submitting to these web stores, like Chrome Web Store, um, Firefox Add-on Store, uh, that takes uh, time because uh, they, your extension, every update needs to be reviewed. Sometimes the review takes hours. Other times it could take days, sometimes weeks. Um, you know, I've heard a horror story from uh, one developer where they actually had a uh, bug in their Chrome extension. And due to, like, a... a um, so, like, they fixed it within, like... 30 minutes or an hour, they sent it out. And unfortunately, the fix, it took two months to actually get it uh, through and approved. So this is why Chrome extension developers really need to be conservative. Um, so that is not conducive to iterating quickly. Like um, you could do tricks like A-B tests and so on and so forth. But um, you like uh, that's sort of like a band-aid to the problem. The thing that um, we've kind of built in this space is this thing called test beds. So, um, we, we uh, offer this like a uh, SaaS product, which basically um, allows you to have beta users. So for example, let's say it's your dev team. Um, so right now, right, like if you want to uh, have your developers use the latest version of your Chrome extension, uh, you, you typically need to send them a zip file. They need to enable developer mode. They need to do all these other steps and then drag and drop the like extension locally. Um, and they need to do that for every update. It's like super annoying. So we built we built this thing called Testbed, and what it does is it automates all of that for you. So that way, like whenever you push a change, it automatically um, pushes it out to all of your beta testers, and then they can get the latest update um, of your extension. So you can iterate quickly. Um, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Yeah, you can think like so. You can think of uh, test bed as like the uh, it's like a it's like a Chrome web store, but targeted specifically for dev developer. Yeah, I mean it sounds very analogous to like using Test Flight for a mobile app. And I'm curious to understand a bit more about the Chrome 
this is actually something I'm not familiar with, like Chrome's process for reviewing and approving extensions. Like if I want to put a new extension in the Chrome app store, like what is the approval process look like? What are some of the gotchas that can cause um, a slowdown in that? And then um, for future upgrades, like do you go through the same level of rigor or is it less for upgrades and original approval? How does that all work? Yeah, so um, the way the way that it works is sort of like, um, I think, um, you know, obviously with these sorts of things, you sometimes have to reverse engineer them because they're not so transparent. Um, but from what we've seen, it's sort of like a two-step process. So they perform some sort of uh, static uh, analysis where they kind of test your extension to see like, you know, is it doing something malicious and so on and so forth. Um, and then once it goes through that static analysis um, approach, then um, we've had cases where, um, like when we built our own extension, where we actually saw like someone in like Kentucky or like one something like that, like on our analytics, like use like our beta version, which we just submitted. So it seems like they actually have humans that install your extension and then actually test it out. Um, so like some Google uh, contractors or engineers. So that's kind of how the process looks. And in terms of in terms of like gotchas and things, I mean, it's really it's really riddled with that because um, I think it's sort of similar to any sort of complaints you, you've heard about like the iOS app store or anything. Um, like there there's times where things go through and get passed in approval and then later they fail even though you haven't changed the specific thing that was failing. Um, it seems like kind of uh, arbitrary. Um, and Google has a list of sort of like um, errors or like uh, things that um, the reasons why extensions haven't passed review. So these things can include like uh, even things like um, having permissions set uh, in your manifest file and then not using them. This is this is a common thing that happens often, but this sort of stuff. And what does it look like on some of the other platforms, Firefox and uh, I think Safari has extensions now and um... I'm not sure some of the newer browsers like Brave, like is it a similar process or different for each one? Yeah. So in terms of Firefox, um, from from uh, what what I've heard, uh, Firefox is actually the quickest. So typically, turnaround time is very very fast in Firefox. So it doesn't have uh, that problem. Um, whereas um, I think like Chrome and Edge, uh, they have their own web stores respectively, and uh, both of them. Um, seem to have this like kind of uh, turnaround time. Now, the interesting thing is like Brave and then I think a bunch of other Chromium-based browsers, they actually piggyback off of the Chrome Web Store. So they don't even, they don't actually have their own web store. They simply use Chrome Web Store. Yeah. And let's talk now about the final of kind of the three tenets of develop, test, publish. So once it comes time to publish, how does Plasmos streamline that, especially when we're talking about publishing to multiple platforms? So we actually have, um, so there's a solution that we created called Browser Platform Publisher. Uh, it's a GitHub action. It's a GitHub action running on top of your extension repository. And what it does is, is basically using the official uh, Chrome Web Store API and also Firefox, Mozilla, they call it the AMO, uh, Mozilla, you know, add-on Mozilla, whatever API. And also the Edge add-on API, so it uses those API uh, to actually submitting your extension package for you. Uh, uh, assuming that you you're supplying all the keys, for example, API keys, uh, you know, authorization and developer key, and so on and so forth. 
So with all the key, the extent uh, that action will actually uh, submitting your extension for you. So that will streamline the process for all extension store. Uh, and we are actually looking to. Uh, we have been working on the Safari store for a while now. There's a there's a lot of uh, reverse engineering required for the Safari store, because uh, there's actually a Safari um, a process converting a Chrome extension to Safari extension. The tricky thing is, it only uh, supporting MV2 at the moment, the official one. But Safari right now is actually MV MV3, so the official command line to do so is actually obsolete and. And basically, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, like uh, yeah, there's a lot of iteration, a lot of working to be done over there until we actually can sub supporting MP3 fully on Safari. So we haven't fully uh, like publishing that yet. But it's actually using Fastlane underneath to do all the submission, similar to how like Expo using Expo also using Fastlane to submitting uh, like uh, Apple App Store to the to uh, to like the test file. It's Emily again, producer for Pod Rocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of Pod Rocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about? edge computing, weird little component libraries, how to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out. I don't know. And that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great, whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. Super helpful to kind of understand the full scope of the platform. Um, looking now at kind of the business, so help me understand a bit more about um, Plasma as a business. Is it a free product, a paid product, or um, what does that all look like? Yeah, so in terms of the business, um, so Lewis and I were both like really strong proponents of uh, free and open source software. And uh, so like uh, that's something that we really wanted to kind of uh, think about when we thought about how do we want to structure Plasmo. So the way we're kind of thinking about it is uh, we have the Plasmo framework, and that makes it as easy as possible to develop Chrome extensions from scratch. Um, and then the idea is like when when developers want to sort of productionize their app uh, or like productionize their Chrome extension, why they want they want to kind of like make sure that it's solid. They want to iterate quickly on it, stuff like that. Then they would use the uh, SaaS. Uh, offering that we provide, which is called Itero. Um, and then that's sort of like the idea. Got it. And is that something that's already launched or that's a future roadmap for Itero? We are on beta right now. It's on beta. Uh, there's, we have a wait list of people that are trying it out right now. Uh, it's about 30 bucks a month. Uh, we are slowly launching it, but we are not publicly launching it yet. Because yeah, it's still, there's a lot of rough edge in terms of like, especially with the Chrome, the Chrome update mechanism. So Itero, or the test bed actually use the Chrome native update mechanism. But it's quite buggy at the moment in that somehow the update checking of the Chrome is of the Chrome browser itself could be a little uh, quite buggy. So we are still debugging right now. But the but the updating mechanism and the uploading mechanism and also we're recently shipping here also the ability to 
the ability to uploading a new version of your extension using using your CLI using CLI. So everything, but basically we close the entire loop of the uh, DevOps on the Dev side for it to, for the testbed. So, but yeah, we we have yet to launch it publicly yet. Um. So I'm curious to learn a bit more about the backstory. So. Um, what led you to want to um, kind of go and build this company and start Plasmo, both in terms of the the why now in your personal story, but also, you know, why now Chrome extensions? You know, browser extensions have been around for a long time, and maybe what's changed recently that's kind of opened the door for this kind of opportunity to build a platform around launching and publishing? Yeah, so, um, you know, just to give some context around, like, Louis and, and I, so we were roommates in college and um, we were both kind of like hackathon fanatics and we worked on a ton of projects together. Um, we were super fascinated by like, uh, you know, browsers, uh, just the internet in general, hacker culture and so on. And, um, you know, one of the projects that we worked on was this thing called Hyperproxy. So um, we, we kind of made a browser that can allow people to access um, these sort of like websites that were on the DAT protocol. So the DAT protocol was sort of this native protocol, and we basically ported it over to the browser. Um, so we kind of had experience there, like building some sort of browser stuff. And a few years later, which was like about a year ago, uh, we chatted again about sort of browsers. And, um, you know, at the time I was working on a cybersecurity job, and I was kind of complaining about how, you know, one of the, one of the things we got in that job was people would report suspicious websites, suspicious emails, and things like that. And I noticed that, um, you know, reporting suspicious websites was uh, really annoying because people had to like screenshot it and then tell me like, where did it come from and stuff like that. I was like, oh, maybe a Chrome extension would be good for this. So uh, we built one, um, but we didn't really get like, uh, you know, um, a lot of kind of, it was like the problem that we were solving wasn't enticing enough to people. So we decided to kind of go back to the drawing board and think about like kind of brainstorming stuff. And, um, you know, after a week of brainstorming and, we thought through a bunch of problems, and the one that really stuck out stuck out to us was like, dang, building that extension that we just built was actually much harder than it needed to be. Um, and we both came from sort of these like mobile app development and front end backgrounds, and we we're just like, uh, maybe we can do something about that. So that's why kind of we decided to build this developer tooling. And one of the things that um, we thought about a lot is sort of this idea that right now. The browser, like the internet browser that everyone uses, is built for everyone. Like um, I think, like Chrome reached some like crazy number of users and things like that. Like it's not specific to people, and this is what people use every day to do their jobs. Yet it is so generic. It's sort of like a marathon runner uh, using like uh, shoes that they picked up from like a local store. It's not. It's not tailored to the marathon. It's just for everyday use. And that doesn't make sense to us. So we had this like big thesis of like, um, you know, the browser companies themselves are likely not going to do anything about this. And the Chrome extensions are where, uh, and like browser extensions in general, are where this sort of uh, problem will be solved. And the idea is like uh, in, in five to 10 years, and it's already happening now, um, you'll see that like there's going to be um, a salesperson stack of browser extensions where like if you don't use these browser extensions, 
you will like not be as efficient as someone using them and you probably won't like uh, do well in your job compared to that other person. So that's sort of the idea. And um, we decided, you know, why is this like not coming like faster than it should? And it's because it's super hard to make these Chrome extensions and browser extensions. So that's kind of our thesis is we want to make it as easy as possible so that this this like thing of uh, this like market can really flourish. Got it. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, definitely anecdotally seeing lots of companies continue to launch Chrome extensions. Um, sales has been a, a use case I've seen like a bunch of different tools out there that like give different UIs on top of Salesforce or, or uh, things like that for salespeople where it's the nice thing is that like an individual salesperson can just find that extension, install it. They don't need to get permission from someone at the company because it's just like modifying data that they can already see in their browser. So that's certainly one of the advantages of Chrome extensions from like a business tools point of view is like the ease of adoption by an individual employee without going through an IT process. Yeah, exactly. And so curious to learn a bit more about the roadmap in the future. We, we talked a bit about Itero and like the eventual paid product, but beyond that, like what does the next year look like in terms of what your, you know, your product roadmap? Yeah. So on our end, we sort of want to become the all-in-one platform for developers to create extensions. So, uh, you know, as you said, you know, going through those stages is like bootstrap, testing, publishing. So sort of like similar to Expo or Vercel. Uh, but for browser extensions. And then eventually, sort of thinking like long-term, uh, we have so many um, ideas of where to go. Um, the the key theme, though, is we really want to like innovate in other areas uh, and contexts where extensions have been underutilized. Um, so that includes stuff like enterprise and so on, um, and really think of, think more about like how to how to solve like other unique challenges with uh, extensions and enable that. One other thing I want to add to the the testing side of Plasma is the idea of uh, kind of end to end testing and testing cross browser for extension. Right, so an extension can be published to different multiple browser, but to test and make sure that that extension can work on all extension on all browser using the same code base. Uh, I think the uh, the solution for that in the long term uh, would be mainly end-to-end -end testing and likely using some kind of a test suite, uh, basically a hundred standard test suite that we are thinking about. We, so we are planning some kind of a, a standard test suite on end-to-end -end side that would basically you, you submit your extension and we run your extension through this standard test suite and also run it through a million of other websites. To, to make sure that the extension actually working on those websites and on those uh, browser kind of simulation, right? The browser, like the browser kind of using Puppeteer or Play, right? And and that hopefully can actually streamlining the process of the re the review process on the web store and yeah, it's a certification of your extension. Got it. Well, Stefan Lewis, it's been great having you on the show. Really appreciate um, you coming on, and I've enjoyed learning about Plasmo. For folks that want to check out the product, it's plasmo.com, P-L-A-S-M-O.com. Aside from going to the website, is there anything else you'd recommend in terms of ways to learn about the product or get started? Uh, definitely joining, uh, take a look at our documentation at docs.plasmo.com. 
and also join our Discord community. We have a large community of people on Discord that are talking about extension, how to work with Plasmo, and asking for feature requests. You can join the Discord by using plasmo.com slash s slash d. So s for social and d for Discord. Great. Well, thanks again, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for Pod Rocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome Pod Rocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.